This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good afternoon, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest opposition preview show here on Up the Cherries and All Departments. Now, following Iriola's first Premier League game, in which he got a one-all draw against West Ham, following a Jared Bowen wonder goal, and of course Dominic Slanky leveling the scores for ourselves, we visit Liverpool. Well, we know what happened there last season, don't we? Um, yeah, we don't want to really be reminded of it, but let's be honest. We're going to have to talk about it. For this opposition preview show, I do have a special guest. My special guest is from the leading Liverpool podcast, number one on Spotify, the Red Men TV. And it is a pleasure to welcome on Steve. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, me very well. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Not a problem at all. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get it out of the way, firstly. Uh, that game last season. We're coming back to Anfield. Uh, the last one was memorable for Bournemouth fans, uh, just for all the wrong reasons, really. Yeah, like I say, mate. And at the time, it was a it was a real show of strength from Liverpool. And you know, it was very early in the season, and we thought, wow, it'd been a bit of a difficult start, a little bit. You know, just you know, the draw against Fulham, things have been a little bit okay. What's happening with the Reds? And then absolutely went and welly Bournemouth and. A, we had a couple of those, to be honest with you. It was interesting. Like, we battled Man United 7-0 last season as well. We had some, like, you know, we battered Rangers. I think we, should, we put seven past Rangers. And then you know, we battered Leeds. I think it was, like, six past them. That was, and then, But then those games, then we were inconsistent as well. So, at the time, it looked brilliant. It looked like, wow, right, OK, Liverpool have, have turned a corner here. Uh, it, it, it wasn't, really. Liverpool ended up having a pretty disappointing season, obviously, out of all the cup competitions relatively early scrapping at the very end of the season, just trying to get top four, having to go on what would have been, you know, an almost 10-game winning run, which which Liverpool just about weren't able to do, unfortunately. So, yeah, that, that game stands out for a lot of reasons. Liverpool were excellent, obviously. Bournemouth were very poor. The manager got sacked after it and, and things changed. So, yeah, like I say, I mean, if they want to repeat that at the weekend, we'd be more than grateful. But I'll be honest, I'm not hanging my hat on that. <laughs> well, considering you were so dominant, in certain games and against Manchester United saw that game, you know, absolutely destroyed them. And that was when Man United were in a good run of form as well. Um, 
what went wrong for the rest of the season? Because it's it's a bit strange that you're dominant in some games. And let's be fair, I had you down last season to win the league because I thought, and especially after that, that just confirmed it, that 9-0 win. But what went wrong during the rest of it? Uh, I can't, there's just so many things. I mean, Liverpool, they messed up the transfer window in the summer. They, they needed to go and get a midfielder and they decided not to. And then all of a sudden they were left scrambling around and signing off a mellow on deadline day on loan who played the grand total of 13 minutes and then got injured and that was him done. So that, that was one. There was a severe drop-off in a couple of players. I think it was physically as well. It's been very hard to play for Liverpool. Liverpool have been flat out getting to finals, winning trophies for like three, four, five years now. And I think it, it it just got to a point where it was probably a bit too far, one step too far for Fabinho, for Jordan Henderson. We kept losing Thiago to injury time and time again. Other other things as well. So it, it you know Liverpool let Sadio Mane leave and Darwin Nunez was was hit and miss on his in his first season. You know got sent off in the second game, obviously against against Fulham. Uh, sorry, against Crystal Palace. So it was just there was there was a, you know, numerous factors. Virgil Van Dijk looked like he's was feeling it a little bit. And if you think about it, it's understandable. Liverpool the season before got to the, you know, they got to three finals. They were half an hour away from winning the title. They, they played every game at such a high intensity. And then there was a shortened break. And then obviously we had to play. And then there was a World Cup. It just felt like Liverpool ran out of steam. And I think that explains a little bit why already there's been, a, you know, there's been quite a few departures in the summer. Liverpool have signed two players looking to sign more. I think it was probably just the end of a cycle. And... By getting to doing so well in 2022, we obviously win two trophies, get to the Champions League final, almost win a title. You know, Liverpool were, you know, a couple of bounces of a different ball away from being quadruple winners. That's how close they got. I think that almost put the plans back another year. That probably was the, that was probably the summer where things needed to change. But because it got to June and we Liverpool, that it was like let's go and win the Champions League, let's go and win the Champions League. Almost all your planning's kind of gone by the time you know. They were off for three weeks and then they were back again because the season was starting with the World Cup. So, in general, I think it was that. Um, but there were there were definite positives to take from last season. You know, like I say, the nine and the seven really standout moments. But overall, to just a lack of consistency from game to game. I felt a lot of it was physical. Some of it was mental. Like the lads were probably drained as well. Some lads just yeah, just probably on the other side of the hill a little bit. And then all it all culminated in, in the fact that you know. We beat Man United seven nil, and then get beat at Bournemouth one nil. You know the next week, or you know we 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 beat Manchester City, but then get beat by Nottingham Forest at the week. Like things like that, it just doesn't make sense, yeah. and that's the lack of consistency. And I think that came for like like for numerous reasons, like I mentioned before. You've already made two signings, uh, or two big signings, I should say, um, of Dominic Sabozlay and also Alexis McAllister as well from Brighton, who was very, very good. They went straight into the game against Chelsea. And what did you make of them? Yeah, they're both brilliant, to be honest with you. They're two top players. So let's talk Sabas life first. He's, he's the, you know, Liverpool now effectively play two number eights. They ask someone to hold. And I think Alexis McAllister's probably going to be one of those number eights soon if Liverpool can sort out the defensive midfield and issues that obviously they had some high-profile departures and then obviously two two targets that they wanted of ends up at Chelsea. So McAllister ends up playing six. But Soboslai, he's, he's he's a big guy, you know, physically imposing, really good on the ball, good dribbling, strong, got eye for goal, you know, double-digit goals and assists at Leipzig. So that's what that's something that Liverpool haven't had actually a midfielder who scores goals. Curtis Jones. Should be that 
but it never really shown it. Uh, a couple of goals at the end of last season, Harvey Elliott, similar really. So uh, Sobersly has been brought in genuinely. I think it's just the goals and assists from midfield. Um, McAllister, like I say, he's brilliant. He is like you can tell why he's in the World Cup winning squad. He, he's something else. Um, but he's, he played number six against Chelsea, like defensive midfield, which isn't really he can do it, but it's not really you're not going to get the best of him there. He's probably going to have to do the same against Bournemouth, actually, because even if Liverpool sign anybody now, there's links to to, to Corey from Palace and Andre from Figuerenzi, but that's not going to happen in time for Saturday. So my chan- the, the chances are McAllister will will play there. And he was really good. Don't get me wrong, he, he can do it. He's, he's technically sound and he's aggressive. He's got that you know, little bit of Argentinian gnarl to him. But he is being played slightly out of position at the moment. But no, I don't think any Liverpool fans are unhappy with either of those two signings. The, the general discourse is more, well, that those two were done a long time ago. We've since sold... The two midfielders who played more games than anyone last season in Henderson and Fabinho, and there's no replacement in the door yet. I think that's the worry. So McAllister and Sobosly will play against Bournemouth. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain of that. Probably he used Gakpo as a midfield the other day. He, he might stick with that and go really attacking. Elliot's an opportunity, maybe Jones. But those two, are, since the, since you know all through pre-season and against Chelsea, I think everyone's been really impressed with those two. It has been a bit of a frustrating transfer window, like you say there, Steve. And um, there's a number of players that Liverpool have missed out on. Um, of course, Lavia from Southampton. Um, what do you what do you think the problem is with that? Is it that you haven't acted too, or have you acted too soon and some other teams have poached them from under your nose? I think what happened is Liverpool didn't think Lavia was worth what Southampton wanted originally. And then the market changed a little bit and we saw a few other players, you know, moving for big fees and then the Saudi stuff comes and all of a sudden what, what once was a £30 million player is now a £50 million player. Um, we saw Fabinho for 40 so and things changed. So Liverpool at the start of the summer were like, we like Lavia, but we're not, we'll pay like 30 And then a few weeks later, they're bidding 45 46 And at this point, you know, Chelsea, a bit, Chelsea tried to buy him after like two weeks, he was at Southampton. So they've had a long-term interest in him as well. Yeah. So the Lavia stuff, and it felt like Liverpool parked that because they were they were presented with an opportunity potentially to try and sign Moises Casado. Um, they they agreed the fee with Brighton for 111 million pounds, British record. Didn't get that one done. He had his heart set on Chelsea, which is fair enough. That's his prerogative. But it almost felt like maybe that annoyed Lavia a little bit. It's like, well, you know, I don't want to be anyone's second. You, you, what happened there? I was signing, and then I wasn't. And I think Liverpool messed them about a bit. So ultimately, I think the Casado thing, where somebody in the Casado camp gave Liverpool a bit of a bump steer, basically, and said, you know, if you bid the money, he'll come to you. So Liverpool do that. So they're not going to pay £50 million for Lavia and £110, £11 million for Casado. I think that's what's ultimately cost them in the Lavia thing. So the frustration is, Craig, is that defensive midfielder was an issue last year. And we had two. We had Fabinho and we had Henderson, and they were both playing poorly. And yet, they've now got, we've got no. We've got no one. There's one number recognised defensive midfielder in our squad. It's Stefan Bacetic. He's 19, and he had a really promising start last season, but he's injured. He got injured because he played too much. Um, and that's that is the concern, really. You know, the the fundamental part of your team is whoever anchors your midfield, and we haven't got one. And that that's what's happened. Basically, Liverpool have left it very very late. So now, the issue is. Everyone knows we're desperate for a defensive midfielder. Everyone knows there's £111 million bearing a hole in the pocket. So if you go to Crystal Palace, for example, for Cheek to Core, who's been linked today, 
well, that £50 million is now probably £70 million. And why, and why wouldn't it be? Because Liverpool are in the worst possible position. Everyone knows we've got money and everyone knows we're desperate. And that that's obviously a, a problem. So they're going to have to figure out, they're going to have to sign someone we can't not have. You know, we can't rely on McAllister, Thiago playing out of position, Keith Jones out of position or a young kid. They're going to have to do something. It's 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 a bit, a bit of a mess, quite frankly. You know, we didn't even have a sporting director. Ours resigned and he was leaving in June and, and I think it was May. And in the end, we've got a, we've got a temporary guy. So Jörg Schmeidtke's come in, who's worked in Germany for a long time. He's on a temporary contract. It basically to get Liverpool through this summer. So it feels like we've gone great from... Liverpool are always the, the, the best in class at transfers. We were brilliant at it. We... Yeah. And your club, no, we sold very high. We sold, you know, we got big fees for some players, you know, Brad Smith and Dom Slanky for just the Bournemouth, but we sold Danny Ward to Leicester for a big fee, Rian Brewster to Sheffield United for massive money. And they were bringing in, you know, your Salas and your Manes and Fabinho's and Van Dykes and just like Robertson and Alice, like brilliant world class players. And we were, the, we were like the gold standard of transfers. Mm-hmm. And this summer, it's been the opposite. Liverpool look like, They'd be made to make basically be made to look foolish by a couple of agents and a couple of players, and obviously that's that's hugely concerning for the fan base. I'm quite pleased you left off there, but I'm going to mention him anyway. But uh, Jordan Ibe, honestly, there's so many of them. Liverpool were brilliant at selling players. Yeah. Now, forty million pound for Fabinho probably looks too cheap. You know, when you look at some of the fees, and especially to a Saudi Arabia club, we were probably who we were cash rich. It feels like Liverpool have misjudged the market here. I think this Saudi influence it's not caught them by surprise, but it, it's maybe taken them a while to compete to get the, the, the alterations. Because listen, in a world where Declan Rice has gone for 100 million pounds, Moises Casado's 111, but then it's been it's just been turned up to 20, hasn't it? The, it's just crazy money, and I feel like Liverpool are used to driving hard bargains and. They got one with McAllister through a release clause, and they got one relatively with Sobis like high fee. But again, there was no negotiations there. That was a release clause too. It feels like when it, when it's coming to going to these teams, they these teams are all going. We know you've got loads of money. Give us it, and Liverpool are like, oh, okay, kind of stalling a little bit. And then ultimately, that stalling could cost them Lavia. If they just give Southampton fifty million pounds for Lavia four weeks ago, he'd be a Liverpool player now. And now we're at a point where the bid 47 and got rejected. It's like, well, if you were going to be 47, like you probably could have just bid 54 weeks ago and we wouldn't be in this mess. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. Virgil van Dijk, um, last season, um, he's been, you know, he, he's been a, well, rock solid at the back of the Liverpool defence. But at times last season, it was... He was unrecognisable, especially in that game down at Dean Court. But he does appear to have picked up a little bit of form. He looked very good against Chelsea. Um, do you think that Van Dijk is getting back to his best and he might have just had a bit of an off-season or a couple of wobbles? Yeah, um, you got to remember, in, in 2021, you know, he had, he had a massive injury. You know, he, was AC, he, he did his ACL yeah. He came back. He missed the World Cup, and he, he, he uh, came back for Liverpool. And he, and he, okay, he was hit and miss. You right? He had a he had a bit of a down season. There was sorry, he missed the Euros rather. And he, 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 it felt like last season, almost at the start, he was really protecting himself, trying to get to that World Cup. He's obviously the captain of the Netherlands as well. And there was a there was a, a general sense that maybe it was a little bit of that. 
he played a lot of he, he he himself admitted in the interview he came back from the ACL and he had to play every game because we didn't because Liverpool we have another again uh, they were on they were in for a season where they were trying to win literally everything so you're not gonna you're not gonna rest Virgil Van Dijk for any game when when there's a you know when there's a quadruple to t- potentially win yeah. and I think that cost him I think that I think that really affected them he looked sluggish he looked a yard off the pace he's never. The, the issue with Van Dyke when he's playing badly is that it looks like he doesn't care, and it's not that he doesn't care. He's just he's got this languid style. He's not he's not like you know he's not someone who dives into tackles, and he's not somebody who's like you know your old typical English centre half who's elbowing people and band. He's just not that type of player. He's more he's more well he's calm. He's, he's got a song. He says it's calm. He's a calm player. He's cool, but he's physically imposing. He reads the game so well. But when you, you know there's a there's a famous goal last season against Man United, and afterwards James Milner is in his face just it's like get you that that's on you and we've never seen that before I think it was probably just overplayed after the injury I think he played too much footy and, and, and Liverpool didn't give him a rest and then before you know it we're in the midst of a really poor season and, and then are you dropping Virgil van Dijk when when you know Joe Gomez is injured and Joel Matip's injured and you know, you know Nat Phillips plays Nat Phillips played our second game last season like and, and with all due respect to Nat Phillips he was 56 choice so I think that's what happened this summer, obviously, he was made the captain of the football club. Jordan Henderson leaves. Virgil van Dijk's now our captain. I think that's, you know, that's huge, really. That, for him as well, it's a big honour to be captain of Liverpool. And all through pre-season, I've, I've noticed he looks a little bit more like himself. The best thing about van Dijk, and people probably don't talk about it too much, is that he's always in the right place. He never has to dive in, and he never has to make last gap challenges. He never has to, you know, he's not, you know he doesn't slide. To, he's always there. Defending the front post, winning headers, out muscling people, just making it look he makes it look easy. And at times against Chelsea, we started seeing that, you know, he's winning a lot of balls at the near post and his passing's always been great. So Liverpool needs him because all through pre-season, Craig, and it was the same last season, it was a little bit against Chelsea as well. Liverpool are still there are vulnerabilities in Liverpool, the system and the defensive setup. There are definitely question marks and it's like every system, there are places you can exploit. And even Manchester City have those. It's just that they have the ball for so long, it's hard to get the chance to exploit them. But there are ways to exploit every system. And ours at the moment is that long balls over the top, getting people running onto them, getting Canate and Van Dijk running towards their own goal. Um, and against Chelsea, for the most part, we did okay. Having the best goalkeeper on the planet helped as well. Don't get me wrong. But Liverpool need Van Dijk. In a world okay, where we haven't got a defensive midfielder and whoever comes in is going to take time to settle. We're gonna need Van Dyke to step up. We're gonna need the goalkeeper. This is where you're gonna need these big players at the back to go. You know what? We, I understand there's gonna be a lot on our plate, but we're gonna to have to deal with it. And like I say, Van Dyke last year was probably seventy five percent, sixty five percent of himself. If he can be anywhere near himself, then yeah, that's huge. And I think to finish, I think he's. He, I agree. He looks like he's starting to get back to that. Yeah, definitely. Iriola, um, of course, is the third manager that Liverpool are coming up against um, in. The Premier League against Bournemouth. Uh, well, this time around, anyway. But um, of course, he plays a very, very attacking, pressing from the front, put the defence under a lot of pressure. Um, how does Klopp deal with that? Klopp will love that. Like, Liverpool want to be pressed. That's exactly that's exactly what Liverpool want. Liverpool don't want teams sitting back against them and parked on the bus. Um, Liverpool want to be pressed because what they'll do, they we effectively with the ball, Liverpool become a free at the back. Trent Alexander-Arnold moves inside from right back. He, you know, everyone's probably seen Man City do it with John Stones or Arsenal did it with Zinchenko. The inverted 
fullback into midfield. Well, we'll do that. So effectively, if you try and press us, that's what Liverpool wants. Liverpool want to beat that first wave of the press and then effectively say, "Is you know, we'll we'll have probably five attackers and we'll and go right. It's, it's five on five, and we'll we'll back ourselves to win in, in transition." Liverpool find it harder to, to attack against teams who sit back, defend. Um, so that that I think Liverpool would be open to that. Um, I think they would they would back themselves technically on the ball to so say, you know what, with Van Dijk, with McAllister, with Trent Alexander Arnold, with Cody Gappo, with Sobersly, you know, we've got players who are technically good enough to beat the press. You can even you can you can go long through it with Van Van Dijk plays these diagonals to Salah. Um, the goal against Chelsea comes from a McAllister diagonal to Salah. So Liverpool will like to be pressed. Liverpool don't want teams to just park a bus, really. Um, Again, listen, it's it's risk reward, isn't it? Because if you if you, if you take what you, what I would say is if you take it off McAllister or Trent Alexander Arnold, Liverpool will be short at the back. It'll be two on two probably. It'll be two centre backs against two attackers, and that's the risk you take. But I don't think Liverpool would mind if, if, if Liverpool won't mind if Bournemouth on the front foot. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Considering that's how Iriola plays... But, of course, Scott Parker played that park of the bus to fend really deep. And let's be honest, let's look at what happened last time round. Um, what is the best way to actually overcome Klopp's side? Because Gary O'Neill seemed to do it last season, didn't he? I mean, they play like he did in the home game. That's that's probably yeah. it as well. Um, a lot of teams got to go out to Liverpool. Um, long balls into the channels, transitions. Mm-hmm. That's the key. So... Liverpool commit a lot of men forward. They will. And if you can win the ball back and break quickly, they were time and time again last season, Liverpool got counter-attacked on. And, you know, right from the beginning of the season, Crystal Palace did it in our first home game. And and then then on, it it, it happened quite a bit. You know, Liverpool weren't rock solid at all. So that's that's the way. There are are gaps in where the full-backs are. We ask... Andy Robertson to tuck in a little bit. Um, Ibu Kanate and Andy Robertson in effect have got big open gaps to try and defend against. Um, Chelsea had a bit of joy down the with you know with Reese James and Raheem Sterling as well. So you've got to get the ball wide, I think, mm-hmm. quickly and wide. And I, I know that's how you guys scored against us. It was a breakaway goal yeah. uh, in in the home game. That that type of goal really, where you where you win the ball in transition, you go long down the touchline, and you are, and then you have Van Dijk Kanate running back towards their own goal. Trent's probably far up the pitch, and you and then you and then you try and break. So that's the key against Liverpool. Actually, that's what I say. Liverpool don't want teams to park the bus because they're scared of getting. Especially if it's a team who can break at pace, like Palace did to us, like Bournemouth did in that in that game at Dean Court. That's the kryptonite, really. So the issue with Scott Parker's team is that they, they let a goal in after a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden there's, there's no pressure on Liverpool, 
And before you know it, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, you know, you've got to be able to adapt to it as well. If Liverpool score, it's one or two, or what, what he was sitting back for. And I think that's what happened in the 9-0. But, <coughs> excuse me, in general, um, it, I tend to believe that's the best way to beat Liverpool, is that there is a space between the two, between the full-backs you can exploit. So if you've got someone with pace on the break and a striker who can get on the end of things, then you've, you've got half a chance. Of course, we did mention, and I have been on your show as well, Steve, and thank you for allowing me to come on. But um, we have Kirkes now, who's a left-back. But if he was on the left wing alongside with, say, for example, Justin Clivert just ahead of him, and you've got Brooks with Max Ahrens just behind him on the right, there is going to be that pace and there is going to be that width. And with those players coming and attacking Liverpool, how are you going to stop that considering? Because I'm sure Klopp's looked at it and thought, right, OK, they have got some speed. You know, the you youngsters look very, very good players. Um, you know, what do you think he'll probably do? Generally, he'll, he'll ask the number, the number eight, so he'll ask to do a lot of running. So first of all, the first thing is Liverpool will press high and often. Against yeah. Chelsea for half an hour, Chelsea couldn't do anything. Liverpool just kept pressing them into mistakes. Conor Gallagher's DM and Liverpool just kept taking the ball off him. And, and, and so that's one way. Liverpool will cheat a little bit. They won't really. They'll say to Max Aaron's, OK, you go down there, but, you know, you, well, you're leaving Luis Diaz on his own over here. Or, you know, if, if you want, you know, to kick it, if you want to go and attack down the left, go and fill your boots. But Mohamed Salah's there and staying right there. He's not moving. So if you want to, if you want to take that gamble, good luck to you. But if you don't get it right, You've just left Mo Salah, one of the best players in the world, in 20 yards of space. So that's one way of doing it. Um, but Liverpool asked their midfield three to do a lot of running. So that and that, so that's the key, really. Robertson, without the ball, Liverpool will revert back to a back four. So Alexander-Arnold will go back to right back and Andy Robertson will go back to being a more natural left back. And then they'll obviously have the defensive midfielder, which, again, in this case, will probably be McAllister. So there's five or there's five there. Uh, and then, again, the, the, the midfielders, Sobosly, Probably, probably Elliot or Jones or, or again Gakpo will be asked to defend as well. So it, it, there's a lot of running doing it. Liverpool, honestly, mate, I, I, I mean, I, there's two ways of looking at it. By all means, push your full-backs on against us and if it works, fill your boots. But Liverpool are more than happy to say to Mo Salah, right, OK, you, you, you're there and if their lad's gone, you know, and it happens to Chelsea. Look at the goal against Chelsea. They have Ben Chilwell playing left wing back. He goes, loses the ball, and before you know it, the ball's at Mo Salah's feet and he's one-on-one with Colwell, who's been dragged out. And it, two seconds later, it's in the back of the net. So that, that, that it's, it's the risk-reward, isn't it? It depends. Like, and I was thinking this before. I think Ariola might as well just go for it. It can't be worse than last year. You're not going to get beat 9-0 again. And if you're, if, if you're a new manager trying to implement a style of play, you might as well go for it. It's a free hit to Bournemouth, really. If you know Bournemouth get beat at Anfield, I mean, I might, please excuse me if I'm wrong. I don't think anyone's heads are going to fall off on the south coast. I think it's going to be, you know, yeah. we give it if you play well and you give it a go, you can get beat, and that can happen. You know, you might as well. So I think he probably is right to go at us. The pool are not defensively stable, honestly. Like there, there are holes. Lots of teams score goals against us last season, all through pre-season. Liverpool plays Darmstadt. The Monday before the season, they didn't score a goal in pre-season, a, a single goal, and they did against. They bagged against us within ten minutes. They scored, and it was one long ball over the top. So the pull are vulnerable. The defense isn't, you know, the they're still trying to wear out the kinks, and they haven't got a defensive midfielder. So I think I think the best form in this game, I think you do go and attack Liverpool, try and get that goal, and then sit back a little bit like we did at the a little bit like Dean Court. 
Nottingham Forest did it to us a little bit at their ground last season as well. Now, Leeds did it at Anfield to an extent and then, and then got themselves a very late winner. It's difficult at Anfield. It's difficult to win at Anfield. It really is. But I think that would probably be... The, you know, if I was a Bournemouth fan, if I was sitting there advising their tacticians, I'd probably be, you know what? Get at them. Give them something to think about. And listen, if Mo Salah scores, what can you do? You know, he's Mo Salah at the end of the day. Oh, he's different quality, isn't he, really? He's a joke. He's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> People don't... I know it's mad, but I, he's like an all-time Premier League great. He's he's so... He doesn't get the respect he probably deserves. He's, he's just on another planet. He's one of the best players we've ever had and we've had some good ones. Mm-hmm. And even again, he didn't score against Chelsea and he got a cob on one, he got taken off. But his assist was just magic. So that's the that's the risk award your players. Like, well, you don't want to give that guy space. And I guess so that's what I'm saying. It's a gamble, isn't it? What do you do with your left backs? You let him go and leave Salah? Or do you say, you know what, we'll go one on one? It's 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 a tough challenge. I don't know the answer. That and personally I would say it's it's probably feel hard hardy to leave most Salah in too much space by himself. And I'm guessing the Liverpool faithful are still 100% behind Jurgen Klopp. He's he's done a fantastic job, really, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean you find anyone who isn't. It's, it's, it's the lunatic fringe of the of the uh, of the fan base. If that's the case, yeah, mate. Listen, yeah. I'd sell every player before I let Jurgen Klopp go. He's he's the man, and he's got, he's got a couple of years left on his contract, and we'll we'll see where he goes by then. But yeah, he's. He's flipping. There's nobody that wouldn't Jurgen Klopp, and nor should he be. No, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you make um, of Bournemouth's business so far in this transfer window? Yeah, I, I really like Alex Scott. I know he's injured at the moment. I think he's a very good sign, and he was actually linked with Liverpool a little bit as well. There was talk that we were going to buy him and then potentially loan him to another Premier League side. That was obviously that's not happened now. So I've been I've been impressed there. Justin Clive, it's one where. I've always, you've kind of always waited for the breakout and it's never really come. He's had good spells elsewhere, so I've been impressed with that one. Um, over the, like, it, It's just nice to see him. Like I say, I know we, we spoke about it on our show as well, but like, Bournemouth showing ambition because there are some teams who, you know, and I mean this with the greatest respect, or, you know, maybe not have the biggest stadium and maybe maybe all they care about is, you know, can we get up, get the Premier League money, we'll go down and then we'll come back up and we'll bounce about. I think a Norwich City, for example, is the perfect example of that. Yeah. And even though they've probably got a bigger stadium than Bournemouth, I think, and things like that. So I think it's always good for the Premier League when you see owners with ambition, but they're not being reckless with it. They're not being, you know, stupid. Like, well, you know, when we saw Leeds United nearly go bust and we saw, you know, QPR signing mental players on mental money, it doesn't quite feel like that. It feels like they've got a strategy in place, which I think is quite impressive. And I said, if you look at the fees, they're always at 20, 20 15 to 20. Getting Max Adams for that fee was a really good buy. You know, that's a, that's a, he, he was another one who Liverpool were linked with not too long ago. Um, we we ended up signing Costa Simicas in the end, um, but I think you know the, the, I think he was linked as well uh, as well as the other guy at Norwich, Lewis, both fullbacks Liverpool were linked with. Um, so overall, yeah, I've been uh, I've been very impressed. I was I'll be honest, I was I was so shocked when the manager changed. I thought I understand it, I, I really do, but I thought wow, like that that was a massive shock to me because I thought Gary O'Neill did a really good job and. The culture around Bournemouth was starting to change, obviously, and it felt like that was the right decision. So that was a shock to me. I think you've got a very good manager. I think he is a good manager, but that—that's what I'd say about Bournemouth as a whole. They're a very impressive football club. They with that with ambition, but I wouldn't. It's not reckless ambition. It's not like you know when you've seen teams like again a reference QPR when yeah. they're paying Rio Ferdinand and and three hundred grand a week. It's not that. It's it's quite smart business, and it just goes to show. Like Bournemouth outbidding AC Milan for players at points in time, like 
the, the Premier League is a wash with cash. And like you know, I, I think I saw like, well, Aunt Bournemouth like one of the twenty richest clubs in the world or something. Like, it's it's that it's 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 things like that where the 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 money is there for teams, and you've got to be wise because everyone's got it. And you look at like listen, there's a team down the road who buy loads of players for loads of money and absolute crap. So there's, <laughs> you, 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 so you can get it. It's easy to get wrong. Yeah, and that's 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 the only again outside looking in. It's it's it, there's been quite a bit of change at Bournemouth, and I do wonder how much change is too much change. You know what I mean? Like I saw the side against West Ham, and, and it, it felt like quite familiar, which is good. There was obviously a, a couple of new faces, but that would be the only thing. Is like you know, change a manager. You don't want a new manager and six new first team players all at once. That can that can be quite disruptive. It feels like they're they're probably doing it the right way, where they're drip feeding players in and and. And there's still a, a relative core of players. So, I, I'm, listen, at this moment in time, things could change. But, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Bournemouth have another good season. Nah, fair enough. And, you know, fingers crossed. I think, you know, it's it's exciting times under Areola. But I completely agree with you on Gary O'Neill. You know, it was very harsh at the time. You know, I was, I was shocked. I was a bit disappointed. You know, there was the mentions of Jesse Marsh and Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. I know he's a Liverpool legend, but, you know, managers that have big names, but, you know, not necessarily got the experience that, and I think Gary, you know, surpassed them last season. But Iriola does make sense after what he did at Vallecano and, of course, getting those results against Real Madrid and Barcelona last time round. Um before we go on to the predictions, um, do tell everybody where they can find the Red Men TV. Hopefully, yeah, if you just don't, well, obviously we're everywhere. But if you, if you just Google us, you'll find the socials, you'll find the YouTube, you'll find the website, everything. So, yeah, um, the Liverpool fan media scene is quite large. There are some very, very large channels and podcasters and everything. But we're, we, we're proud. So we're, we're at least in that mix. If we're not number one, we're probably top, we're at least top two, I would guess. So, yeah, if you search for us on YouTube, Podcasts, socials, everywhere. Search Red Men TV. I'm sure you'll find us. We're not hard to miss. We're very loud and vocal and supporting of our team. So I'm sure you'll see us somewhere. Pause on the overlap every other week doing his bit as well. So I'm sure you can't. You might get sick of us at some point. But yeah, that's where we are, mate. We're everywhere. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I did see you're the number one Liverpool podcast on Spotify, aren't you? That's correct, mate. Yeah, we are. We more listen. That was last season. I think it was um, more listens than any other one. Which fan made ones. Which yeah, that was a. That was a nice one. We, we, we'll take as many awards and plaudits as we can get. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Well, let's go on to the predictions for this game. And I'll tell you what, we'll do a little prediction afterwards as well. Um, but how do you think this is going to go? Uh, I would expect Liverpool to win. It wouldn't be fair. Liverpool are going to be on the front foot. Um, we have, again, at this moment in time, attacks the best one with defence for us. We've scored a lot of goals in pre-season. Um, again, it was a bit difficult against Chelsea, but you know they scored one very good goal and they were a, a, a marginal VAR decision from being too up by Stamford Bridge in 20 minutes. Um, and then Chelsea got a bit of a fluky goal and it was all a bit messy, but I would expect Liverpool to be on the front foot from the off. Um, Cody Gakpo played as, as a midfielder the other day. It was a very attacking lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if it's him or again, either way, it's him, Elliot Jones, a very attack man the Liverpool side. There'll be it's effectively a back three of Robertson, Van Dijk and and Canate. Trent's just doing his bits where he moves involved. Then it's McAllister, then it's Sobersly, Diaz, Salah, Jota, and then one more. 
So it's a very attack minded Liverpool at this moment in time. I think Jürgen's decided until we can get them in field where we want it, it's it's attack, it's all go. So I'd expect Liverpool to go and I'd expect Liverpool to score goals. Um, so I imagine that it, I mean, listen, it's not going to be 9 0, but I imagine Liverpool are going to be very much on the front floor from the off and they need to be really because that's 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 when we're at our best. When we're Liverpool, we're not we're not Man City in terms of we're not going to kill you with possession. We're not going to you know just we're not going to do that here. Liverpool are a very impactful side and have impactful moments, and it's 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 almost like I've always said like it's almost walking pace, walking pace, walking pace, bang, and then and then it's very very fast. Yeah. Um. So I think I think it'll be that. I think but I think Liverpool will try and come out the blocks very very quickly. <clears throat> I'm going to go for a one-all. But okay. the reason why I'm going to go for a one-all is definitely down that left wing, Kirkes, and, of course, Justin Clivert. Um Has Dom got something to prove? I think, you know, he's he's proved he can do it at this level now, but maybe he has to Liverpool and um, Jurgen Klopp. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Um, but... That's probably heart rather than head speaking, to be honest, So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put my bets on it, one all. But final prediction question um, concerns the lockdown, well, across the park from yourselves. Um, I predicted that they're going to go down this season. Firstly, what do you Liverpool fans think? And also, would you miss them? Oh no, no, they, they can go. What, what I would say to you, mate, right, is Everton are like they're like the bad guy in Austin Powers. You know, when he's like he, he blows his head off and he throws him out of a building, he's like, Why won't you die? There's just some the universe doesn't want Everton to be relegated. No matter what happens or how it happens, they just don't go away. I like, like the bad tear that won't flush. So uh, I, I'm past predicting Everton to get relegated now because the last two times, they should have went down two years ago and they should have went down last year because they were rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, so all I would say is that I actually think the Premier League at the bottom is a bit weaker than it was last year. I think it was a really strong Premier League last year. With all due respect to Sheffield United and Luton, I, I just don't, I, I haven't seen anything from those sides coming up or what, with what they've got to make me suggest that they've done it nearly enough to stay up. I know Sheffield United are starting to make a few transfers now, but I mean, they just signed Tom Davies from Everton. There's probably not, not enough. So it feels to me like those two almost make it. That's only going to be one spot up for grabs. And I just can't believe they never went down last year. Honestly, it was just like that was that was the year because they they can't score goals. They're rubbish. Um, so I, I mean, listen, it's, it's a mix, isn't it? There's a lot of people that I, I know personally, friends of mine, who like, I don't want them to get relegated. I've missed the derby. I'm the opposite. I, I I don't mind not having a derby because it feels like everyone else gets to beat Everton easy, and then they raise the game to try and boot us off the pitch. So I I wouldn't miss them, but no, it's I, I, the, the days of me predicting Everton getting relegated are gone because they're like a cockroach. They just they, honestly they'd be a nuclear holocaust, and we'd all be, we'd all be dead and Everton would be seventeenth in the Premier League. Honestly, they're just they're just unkillable. <laughs> well, to be honest, you might have ourselves <laughs> to thank for them still being around. To be fair, because. That last game of the season, we were poor. We took our foot off the gas as soon as they, you know... Well, let's be honest. They kept us safe because they got beat by Manchester City. And then we kind of was like, don't need to worry about the rest of the season. I blame Leeds. I bl- Leeds and Leicester. How Leicester got relegated. 
it's their fault. Like honestly, it's, it's mad. Like honestly, Everton, they, they were they're so bad. But yeah, the this year they're, they're going to be rubbish again because they, they haven't got a striker. But they, they'll find a way. They always do. They'll probably finish seventh again, won't they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure for coming on the show. So thank you so much, and please do check out. Steve show with me as well on the Red Men TV. But um, all the very, very best for the rest of the season, of course, apart from on Saturday. Um, I'm sure you probably wish the same for myself as well. But yeah, thank you so much again. No, mate, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We'll speak again, obviously, ahead of the uh, the reverse tie further down the line for sure. And thank you for joining us for this show. Please remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted to any videos that we do here on Up the Cherries in all departments. Please do also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Watch Player. Um, We're everywhere now. We are absolutely everywhere. So do check us out. But until the next show, Up the Cherries, and we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.